you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. And welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we're talking about a film from the 50s, so you can figure out it's me. Uh, we're talking about House of Wax from 1953. And guys, I think Scott already knows this. Kyle, you probably know this too. This is like legitimately one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. <laughs> like I no fucking love this movie. It was one of my earliest horror films. I talk mm. about this all the time, but when I was... A kid, I was kind of afraid to watch horror movies, but like the old classic movies felt safe. Like it was like, oh, I can watch like Creature from the Black Lagoon and Wolfman because they're like old movies. And my grandfather would show me his tapes and he gave me a VHS tape of A House of Wax. I feel bad for the kids that my parents forced to hang out with me for my birthday <laughs> because this was definitely a frequent Matt Kelly birthday sleepover watch that no one cared about but me. I stopped taking notes about five minutes in this movie because I'm like, what am I doing? I've seen this a thousand times. I could recite most of this movie. But the two things that I wrote down that felt important enough to call out mm-hmm. is A, I fucking love the theme song to this movie. Like that, like, oh, creepy... House of Wax. Yeah, House yes. of Wax. No. <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like uh, the musical score, it's like this weird, almost Theromen, but not Theromen type sound that's kind of playing whenever the killer shows up that I love. And as a kid, for some reason, all of those melting faces at the beginning of the movie freaked me the fuck out. I did yeah. not enjoy watching that as a kid. 
Yeah, yeah, no, those those were those were pretty fucking serious. Like this is my first time <laughs> watch. I haven't seen. I've seen half of the remake, which doesn't matter either. But like, I've, yeah. I have no real frame of reference here, right? Like, other than. I didn't. I don't even know. I don't even know what I thought House of Wax was. Well, this is also a remake. Yeah. Oh, is that right? Yeah, it is. Of a 1930s film called The Mystery of the House Museum. Oh, I've seen that one. No, I haven't <laughs> seen that one either. I don't know. What the, I don't know where I am. <laughs> but I fucking love wax museums. I'll tell you what. I think that this is why I like wax museums because I was trying yeah. to piece it together, and I was the obnoxious brother. We went anywhere, and there was a Ripley's. Believe it or not, within the vicinity, I was like, "Can we please go to the Ripley's?" Because mm-hmm. I just liked looking at all these weird wax statues of like yes. what was supposedly a human anomaly, be it real or a complete forgery from Ripley to like. <laughs> draw people in i was so obsessed with that stuff and i think part of it is because like watching this movie gave me such a weird appreciation for how much work goes into building wax figures like you got to find someone that looks like the person you want to make the wax figure out of then you have murder, to murder them, them dip their body <laughs> <laughs> very complicated process in pepto-bismol apparently <laughs> there's something about this film where i need you two to let me know do I just love this because I have such a long time nostalgia goggle over my face for this? Or is this actually like a pretty good schlocky 1950s film? This movie was an, a, a massive hit. So you're not wrong. Yeah. It made shitloads of money. The good thing is that it also had the, the 3D gimmick and Paddleball Patrick to like oh. really bring it on home and well, fit three balls in his mouth, which I thought I was the only one who could do. Um, <laughs> but apparently he can do it very well. So here's the <laughs> other funny thing. Like I said, I watched this movie a lot. I didn't comprehend that it was originally shot to be in 3D until I was like well into college. And I was like, oh, of course. I, like- I, w- I will say that they, they were a little more lax on the gimmicks of it than I expected. Except for the paddle ball. Guy. Except yeah, for the fucking paddle ball. And like a couple like maybe trying to break down the doors a couple times. Right. Yeah. Like but uh, like so they were they were relatively tame. But I could see when I think about this movie now in that lens of 3D. I can mm-hmm. see how like that body falling down the elevator shaft in 3D in like mm-hmm. 1953 would have been like super shocking or like yeah. even the what I think is the best even though it makes zero sense zero fucking sense but her shattering Vincent Price's face to reveal the burn victim <laughs> oh. skin underneath like that in 3D probably looked gnarly yeah we yeah. won't question how he was wearing a wax mask that articulated so well but then would just shatter on like <laughs> one or two <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry but, about it. Don't worry. But, but it's but a like, truly, it's truly a, such a class. That's a classic fucking reveal. I loved yeah. it. I thought it was oh. great. And it, it's actually, it's edited the best that it could be for what that was. Like, <laughs> yeah. not enough time for you to question it. You're just like, oh shit, she smashed his face. And then maybe a few minutes later, you start to wonder. And you're like, wait um, a second. Wait a fucking <laughs> second. Um, uh, you got a, a Morticia Adams walking around in the first yeah, couple minutes of this movie. Oh, is that right? Yeah, the the girl that gets killed. The man that knows every name of every obscure fucker from a movie from the seventies on, apparently. No, I yeah, had 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 no idea. I just are uh, you familiar with Vincent Price's? Uh, This is my first. Yeah, this is my first one. (laughs) Price is right. Uh, I I loved the the woman who was like uh, who was semi Betty Boop. That's who we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. That was Morticia Adams as well. Yeah. Look, I'm just gonna say, talk about. Range like plays Morticia no Adams and yeah. plays like 
blonde, like you said, borderline Betty Boop character. Yeah. Like that is yeah. a that's a pretty Great impressive. Uh, you know, I thing. I was reading up on her a little bit. I've seen this movie before, and it's a little slower than my usual cup. You know, so I was I was kind of keeping myself busy while I was playing, and um, I was reading. I I guess I I don't know if it was her IMDb or her her wiki, but she was worried that she was gonna get typecast by doing the Adams family as just doing, you know, horror because that's what happened to the lady that did King Kong. She has a great role. Like I really I thought the character was awesome. I thought it was really fun. Because uh, well, especially especially because it comes in after the reluctant insurance money fight between yeah. Vincent Price and that guy, <laughs> where he's just like, no, no, don't give me the insurance money. I'll fucking fight you for it. It's intense as shit. Like uh, there's a lot of fire. Doesn't completely change tonally, but her coming in, I was like, that's really interesting. And then later on, when we fucking meet an unrecognizable Charles Bronson, like yes. I was like, with with then later on, whose bust of himself looks like John Cena, which is <laughs> really weird. How did you see um, him though? He didn't have hands to do this. That was, was the problem. I'm very good at miming. He's yeah, yeah. Do you really want? Do you really want to taste it? <laughs> but I did. I did bring a. I did get a beer in honor of Charles Bronson's character Igor, um, just called Big Idiot. Because <laughs> he's just a big fucking, just a big fucking idiot. I don't want to always be hedging in on Kyle's thing, but um, I, I wanted to bring a beer as well. I didn't find yes. one, so I instead brought a candle since this is the house of wax. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll, love I'll drink it. to that, Scott. <laughs> and then you bring the Pepto Bismol, Matt, like you said you would. Oh, yes. I could bring that too. I'm pretty sure of the three of us, I drink gallons of it compared gallons to <laughs> But yeah, I I think that you're right. That that opening fight scene is really intense. It does a thing that I think is important, which is like you are supposed to kind of like Vincent Price. He seems mm-hmm. like this. But he's also clearly insane. Like he's having yes. full conversations with these wax figures. Um, almost like seems like he has a pseudo sexual relationship with one of them. Yeah. Like he seems slightly unhinged out the gate. And I think it makes it an easier pill to swallow that he would just turn to like full blown murder with just like yeah. the little inconvenience. Yeah. He's hanging on by a wick there. Yeah. He's. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's- Man, it it he's he's a powder keg that's gonna blow. <laughs> oh my god, he is. But, he's he's he, it, like, but it doesn't. It didn't feel like a totally like I love when they set him up when they set up Vincent Price characters to not be totally unhinged like right out the gate. And but it just it just takes one thing. It's a major instance, but it just takes one thing. That's yeah. Just like it's, totally that's turn him. the Vincent Price in in all that's of the Price us. way. Yeah, well, yeah, the Price is and, right, and it's time to pay. <laughs> The Piper? The price. Uh, pray, the price. Pay the price. Pay the price. <laughs> There's two things about Vincent Price's character in this movie I want to bring up. First of all, super ballsy move <laughs> to A, murder your, pro- your previous business partner, B, open a wing in your wax museum about recent deaths, and then C, just debut a wax figurine of your business partner. Like at least the other ones, it's like, oh, I've hidden them to look like some. It's just like, no, this is fucking him. Yeah. This is- no, no, of all guys, like, fuck this guy. And it's the perfect crime because no one's gonna check the the wax figures. The perfect crime. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Also, 
I know I can only speak for myself on this, but man, if that wax museum was like just a couple minutes down the street, I'd go pretty constantly. Dude, I'd be bringing any visitor that ever came to visit me to that fucking wax museum, and then they'd never show up again. It's a great yeah. way to vent to sort through your friends. Yeah, it's like, um, hey, do you want to see the wax museum of torture rooms? Yeah, like, has there been besides like a besides like a uh, like a Madame Tussauds? Is there been any other sort of like offshoot or off-brand wax museums that y'all have got? Or like, let's just fucking say like weird attraction. Right. Well, like, I mean, let's... I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to our boy Chris La Martina. He's got a, a house of oddities that's moving to a different town. Uh, I highly recommend if anybody ever gets out to Monterey, California, getting John a hand Steinbeck. Job there. Yeah, there, get the hand job on the beach. Like <laughs> Go to Big Sur and get real big. Sorry, that was fucking lame. On yeah. Big Sur. <laughs> Actually, yeah. I have a question for you, Kyle, because I'm remembering you did live in California. Yes. And when I lived in California, I would walk to Amoeba from my mm-hmm. house, which was not a short walk. When I would go on that walk, I would pass what I believe was called the Museum of Death <laughs> in Los Angeles. Have you been to the Museum of Death, Kyle? I have been to the Museum of Death. I went with my mom and sister? No, that's not true. No, I went, I, but I have been to that Museum of Death. Yes. Every time I'd walk past it, I would have the same thought, which is this seems like the spot in a horror movie where they're actually just murdering the people that walk into the. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like... Well, the, that building, that building in particular was very small and very like semi whole. Like, even though the outside looked like fucking, you know, Massive. Dr. Yeah. Death. Yeah. The inside is very tiny. They actually have to give you a warning that if you, because the hallways are tight. And there's particularly there's one area that is all pictures of car crashes in this very small hallway that it's almost like a one way uh, path to walk around it. And they're like, if you get lightheaded, like, say something like just, you know, they have because it's so confined. There's a different there's another museum of death. Vegas or New Orleans or somewhere else that is like more like a bigger open space room but this is truly like uh, they just they had access to this building they filled it with as much fucking murder memorabilia as they could and some of it is daunting Um, but it is it's honestly it's if that's something that interests you it's totally worth checking out like they set it up really nicely like it's all I just um, remember everything about it looked like a nightmare to me like it was like Mm -hmm. this giant nondescript building with a huge skull painted on the front and a very large like prison almost looked like prison security gate across Mm -hmm. the front whenever i'd walk past i'm like there's nothing about this that seems like this would be a good idea to go to so i'm glad that someone i knew visited yeah you know um i got i got another one that came to mind have you guys ever gone to the the go through the salem witch trials tour up in salem massachusetts because there's a wax museum there yeah, I've I've even though I'm close in proximity, I've never been to I, I've been to so Salem, Salem's dope being yeah. around from this area. I know that it's the worst place to go during October. Oh, even though it's like yeah. the, like the energy is great or whatever. But it's I've never yeah. but I've never gone. We had film freaks played there during October. And that's the only time I went. And I like we couldn't go anywhere and it was yeah. downpour and like whatever. But I've, I've wanted to go back to Salem 
for a long time to like really explore it. Go in the summertime because the weather's, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it's it's yeah. New England weather and you just... Salem Horror Fest, which just uh, reopened, is going to be doing their festival in April now because they're like, October is too fucking much. Like, it's yeah. just, nice. you know, they had it for October and they've become, they've grown and become more successful, but it's too, there's a million things going on in October. So they've moved so, it to April now, which should be exciting. I don't know if it's still there because it's been probably five or six years since I went to Salem. I went there to officiate a, a wedding. <laughs> but, Is that right? but I remember we went to this little dirt mall because the, the bride wanted us to do like a photo shoot. They had like a witch's photo shoot where you'd put on like the hats and brooms or whatever. But inside that mall was the coolest comic book shop I'd ever been in my entire life because yeah, they had comics, but then like all the, they had pretty much every single full moon collectible you could possibly imagine and that's where i got if you ever come to my house when you use that bathroom there is a tiny little porcelain ghoulie popping out of a toilet statue sitting next to the toilet Fuck yeah! Um, and i also got a giant head of the family statue that's somewhere in the basement and the there. fact that we haven't done head of the family on this show is just wild and it's not even on your yeah. list is it matt no i do not like that movie that much but i love the character design the, the head of the, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Fair, the yeah. head of the family character is fantastic that movie is not good that's a slog <laughs> yeah 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 right. dude the fucking so, that was yeah that movie is trash <laughs> so do we have any other thoughts about house of wax before well, I, we? Uh... I, I had to say something about the director which i thought was absolutely hilarious oh, yes is this about his... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so this movie was obviously a big deal 3D. It was the first Technicolor 3D movie to be released in theaters, but the director was blind in one eye, so he th- saw no third dimension. <laughs> it's like I can't steal that can't steal that can't hardly wait reference from you. Yeah. It's weird because I actually think that the 3D like watching it put to 2d obviously but like watching i'm like oh i could see how this is like effective 3d then you had someone who had two perfectly functioning eyes that was doing jaws 3d and like that thing (laughs) that thing's a mess (laughs) (laughs) one of my favorite lines is the last line which well they as soon as everybody gets saved nobody had any trauma everybody's fine there's no issue it was the 50s dude there's no such thing as mental health they're cracking jokes about the guillotine almost killing a guy. And yeah. then they say, uh, quote, by the time this guy gets out of Sing Sing, he'll have a big beard. To which I say, no, he'll just have a mustache. Because they were referring to fucking uh, Bronson and his bust. <laughs> um, and then all the Death Wish movies happen. So, yeah, uh, that's uh, the, I, I love this prequel to Death Wish is all I wanted to say. <laughs> all right. So that's a perfect setup for someone to ask me about a double feature. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. 
What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey everybody, Satan here. I know what you're thinking. Jesus Christ, Satan has a podcast now too? No, no, that's not it. But I am here to tell you about a podcast, and it's one that's all about my favorite band, Punchline. Not the band you expected me to say, right? You probably figured I'd like Slayer, or maybe some backwards Beatles records or something. Those are okay. But you usually find me rocking out to fan-favorite punchline albums like Action or Lion while I'm torturing dead people for all of eternity. Punchline's podcast is called A Band Called Punchline, and it's super entertaining to listen to this documentary-style look back at the 25 years of my favorite band. Honestly, I'm really feeling like I'm getting to know these guys, and their story is amazing. I'm so ready for them to get down here. I have so many questions. I gotta give them credit for catching on to my whole 37 thing, too. There's a reason why they're my favorite band, and if you listen to their podcast, they might become yours, too. A band called Punchline is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Check it out, and I'll see you all in hell. Matt, what's your double feature? So I wasn't sure what I was going to pick as a double feature for this movie. And then that final scene came up. And that final scene reminded me of another film, uh, widely considered one of the greatest horror films of all time, that also ends with a very strange uh, zero trauma conversation between like policemen and psychiatrists, which is, of course, the ending of the original Psycho where we get like a 10 minute monologue about like Norman Bates's entire backstory. <laughs> it's and called exposition, it's a, Matt. Oh dude, it is. I, I mean, I will always, I, I will never talk shit on psycho. It is, it is a classic for a lot of reasons, but man, you could just cut that scene completely out of the movie and I would feel exactly the same about the quality <laughs> of psycho. I, I'm going to go off of that because I had a movie that also has Anthony Perkins uh surprisingly and my movie is edge of sanity it's not a Ah. good movie it's kind of mean-spirited and gritty so it would be the b picture in my double feature but it's a jekyll and hyde story um with anthony perkins and it just has a vibe that yeah besides like slapsticky stuff i I mean there's there's an there's two obvious choices in my head that i could have made that i won't because I've already picked one in a previous double feature. But Edge of Sanity just kept ringing in my ears uh, while I was watching this. I think there's, like, the landscape of it. There's sort of, like, he feels a little Jack the Ripper-y, which there's some uh, correspondence with in Edge of Sanity. So that's that's my pick. Yeah, I've always thrown that on being like is this something we should do for the show and then halfway through it I'm like no no for some reason it was very mismatched by Scream Factory because it was part of a double feature deep Blu-ray that they put out and the A picture was Destroyer which is like <laughs> so over the top and ridiculous yeah. you know what I mean like I was like these do not 
make sense as like a double feature Dude, TV. I, I will Scream Factory fucked up there, but let me tell yeah. you the MGM four pack that <laughs> fucked up with was where I got Edge of Sanity from. So it's Edge of Sanity, whatever happened to Aunt Alice. Okay. Echis, which is the fucking horse play like the horse based on a pl- and then the spiral staircase which is a beautiful black and white film about uh, a deaf woman in a it's like a gothic uh, picture which is the only reason i bought the four pack in the first place was for spiral <laughs> staircase but it has these other th- it's, it's a, the craziest four pack that mgm was just like i don't know fucking put it on this yeah and and and, so, and then one of them is a double layer disc and then two of them are single movies on discs and it's like okay guys what what is going on here scott scott and i both bought the same eight movie dvd at one point that actually is a pretty good collection of movies but it's a whole lot of random like it's like ghoulies three ghoulies go to college and bud the chud two were on there you know it's the got one. class of sure 1999 yeah that's the one yeah i don't th- i don't think that bud the chud was on that one because that one has like it has chopping mall right chopping it has mall, seven six evil two nameable yeah yeah, Classic it's 99. like random ass sequels, and then like I bought it for Chopping Mall and yeah. Slaughter High. I bought it for Chopping Mall. Do you guys like Chopping Mall? Oh, dude, it's one of my top ten. Okay, it's so fucking <laughs> stupid, but I love it so much. That know. that response is all we need to know about if Kyle <laughs> likes Chopping Mall. Uh, Scott, what is your double feature? To the shock and surprise of no one, I'm going to go with Waxwork because I just absolutely love Waxwork, and I feel like we've been talking about. Recently, last couple episodes, we've been like, well, we've really been using these 10 same movies all the time for our double features. And I'm like, I don't think I've done waxwork in a long, long time. As a double in feature. a really long time. That was a that was like when we first introduced the double features. It was like any excuse. Vampire <laughs> yeah. movie? Oh, waxwork. waxwork. <laughs> Werewolf movie? Oh, waxwork. Well, that's the beautiful yeah. thing. Waxwork is an anthology movie without being an anthology. Yeah. It's fucking perfect. Yeah. I mean, both of, really both, both of them really are. Both of yeah. those waxwork movies are actually fantastic concepts on, like you said, you just make a bunch of shorts and then have like the best, the best tie-in that any anthology film has ever had. Good call. I wish that we were watching that in June, but... Man, it's no all right. one wants to watch that but us. Matt, so what have you been watching, listening to, doing that you want to pimp out on our show? Within the same week, Netflix dropped two things on their streaming site that are both worth mentioning. The one I'm not going to talk... Well, both of them I'm going to talk very briefly about. The one is a movie uh, called Metal Lords. It's fun. It's just a fun coming-of-age movie about two kids who want to form a death metal band and perform in their school talent show. Um, and it's very charming. It's very funny. It's filled with a bunch of cool, like, heavy metal cameos throughout. And it's it's just... It's what Deathgasm wanted it to be, is what I'll say. I had a lot more fun with this than I ever had with Deathgasm. What was it, it called again? I'm sorry. Metal Lords. Uh, metal Lords. It metal just Lords. felt way, way more sincere than than a lot of those other movies. Well, felt. that's that that's why we got well, that's why I got all that hate for Deathgasm when we did that episode yeah. all those years ago, because the only thing that 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 movie needed was some sort of sincerity and enthusiasm for death metal and they and this has all of, of the enthusiasm <laughs> yeah <laughs> this this made up for it uh and then the other thing just i think it's one of the most brilliant shows on netflix and i feel like not nearly enough people talk about it but season two of russian doll dropped and like oh, if I didn't you know they were doing like another season of that yeah dude if you like trippy crazy shows like season one 
is a is a nice little time loop story. Season two is a quantum leap type story. Is Natasha uh, Lyonne in it again? Yeah, she nice. she actually wrote and directed most of the episodes. Wow, but. It's wow. every time that she goes on this one specific subway train in New York, she gets transported to different periods in time in the body of one of her relatives. One of them being her mother eight months pregnant with her. <laughs> what I like about both seasons of the show, but it really shines in season two, is that like there is literally never a point where Natasha Leone is like, what the fuck is happening here? Like her enthusiasm towards just like, I'm just going to see how this plays out. Like she's just like living for the moment, doesn't care that it's like, like there's like an episode where she ends up in like her grandmother's body in like Nazi Germany. And she's just kind of like, ah, fuck you, you fucking Nazi. Like she like just doesn't care because she's just like, whatever. I fucking love that. Dude, that Natasha Leone is incredible. Amazing. One of the most underappreciated actresses, I think, of like our generation. Because she's like, she's like, what? Like, I think she's the same age as me. And I'm like, what the fuck have I done with my life? I just think that it's so cool that we're getting all of these mainstream concepts or, you know, like TV shows and movies and, and all this that are kind of playing with the idea of like the multiverse because there's everything everywhere all at once. There's Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. There's mm -hmm. Russian Doll Season 2. There's Moon Knight, which isn't exactly the same, but it's got like ideas of what is reality because it's playing into the MCU and, you know, other things like that as well that are kind of slipping my mind right now. But I just love the fact that it's kind of becoming a normalized plot device it, it because it's real it fun. definitely is i i want to say that something that has to get a little bit of credit for it even though this was shit 15 years ago maybe at this point but i feel like lost was like a big proponent oh, yeah. in that just because like that yeah. was like a massively popular show that like was introducing stuff that anybody who read a comic book was like well aware of the concept yeah. of like but like Anybody who didn't really read comic books was like, what the fuck is happening? How are there two right. of them now? And like, <laughs> I think that having such a massively popular show introducing that concept made it real easy. Like a couple years later when Marvel's like, fuck it, we're just going to do Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and they're just going to have to figure it out or fuck off. <laughs> like, yeah. like, I think that we've gotten that point where it's like you either get it or you don't. And like, just strap in and figure it out. <laughs> Dude, I'm convinced that Nope is about similar concepts that like a parallel universe situation as opposed to aliens like so i'm i'm i won't go into it but i'm convinced yeah, i that, love like, that idea is going I was to break that open aliens i was gonna say i don't trust jordan peele to ever show you what's actually happening nah, in that trailer. dude i'm convinced <laughs> that like the universe somehow is truly parallel over the other universe that it's supposedly a parallel universe over and it creates some sort of like magnetic thing. I've only seen the trailer three times. Don't listen to me. But um, <laughs> We watched it once more I've than I have. I've convinced myself that that's what's yeah, happening. Yeah, I love that. All right, who wants to go next? Kyle. I'll go next. I watched the Nope trailer again. And, you know, <laughs> I uh, Last night I took my mom to see, uh, it was a belated, not a belated Christmas present, the Christmas present was for this date. Um, I took my mom to see Pretty Woman the musical. I've never seen the movie Pretty Woman, but I know enough about, like I know the story and all the quotes that have ever been in any compilation of that type of shit, right? The musical's not great. It's corny. It's like there's no real memorable songs. Oh, um, but like going into it was 
fun. Like, I had a great date with my mom. It was wonderful. Uh, it was just cool to, like, go... I don't know. It was... It wasn't, like, Wedding Singer level, because I think Wedding Singer is, like, really pretty smart about, like, chain, like being its own thing. This truly felt like a, I don't know, like it was just, like, picking up beats from the story. But Gary Marshall did the book, and Brian Adams did the music. And there's, like, a handful wow. of songs that are, like, yeah, that tracks. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, the second act, the second act's a lot more fun than the first act. I don't know. It just, it, I just wanted to talk. I just wanted to say that I took my mom to go see Pretty Woman, and it was fun. I love um, that. I love yeah, that too. Yeah. Because yeah. hey, the I've other heard... thing that I watched was Flesh Eater from Vinegar Syndrome. Yeah, I don't you, want to talk about you it. Did. You did. You already. <laughs> I already, you I already talked about it twice either. on the Facebook group, and I don't need yeah. to fucking say it again. <laughs> Hopefully, my mom's not like, oh, "Please don't take me to anything." Else <laughs> Kyle, your taste is funny. shit. Yeah. You took me to Pretty Woman the Musical in the yeah. Museum of Death. I'm something. I'm done with. <laughs> somebody somebody asked her at work today and because I, I was there i heard it and somebody asked her like oh well how's the musical and she was like it was entertaining and i was like mm, okay yeah so we didn't <laughs> I, we didn't we both were, were like this is corny and kind of lame but we had a good time together and we don't get to do that often so it was well it was that's fun. sweet yeah all right scott take us home all right on, on so this topic anyway i have two i have two things that we that um, one I watched with Megan and one I watched by myself. And I have misgivings with both, so I am going to air my grievances. So The Batman, uh, 2022, it had great segments, but I was very underwhelmed by the, by the final product, and it was too fucking long. I thought that Paul Dana was great, but I really got to say, everybody's talking about Paul Dana as, as the Riddler doing a great job, but Colin Farrell is an un sung hero of of yeah. cinema like no one gives unrecognizable in this oh, yeah. movie <laughs> oh yeah i mean like i was like hey megan that's colin farrell playing penguin and she's like no way and i'm like yeah and i i showed her pictures she's like i i i was like this is what he looks like and she was like i don't see it and i'm like i know and I, we we're like okay we can hear a little bit of it but like he was just it was it was very yeah. very i mean zoe kravitz was fine um john Turturro is fine uh i just i just I like the fact that we get to see some detective Batman, but I just didn't really nothing. There were these shining little moments and it had some great cinematography, but like the storyline really, I know what they were doing was they were trying to do a kind of a condensed version of the long Halloween, which is a fantastic Batman storyline. Are you the best Batman story? I would literally put my money. I think that that it's is a phenomenal. Top five. Yeah. I would say yeah. it's top five for me too. I mean, like I, I, I kind of go, a little closer to like year one, things like that. Yeah. Or like um the 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 Frank Miller stuff. But I, I really love Detective Batman. We've never really gotten a Detective Batman and so this is the closest thing we've gotten so far. I like that. I just wasn't I, I, I wasn't sold on anything. And also it only rains in Gotham. Like how did how yeah. I don't know. So anyway, it was it was it was a thing. I'm glad I saw it, but I don't ever want to watch it again. I said this jokingly on the Facebook page, but I still kind of believe it that it was so far my favorite horror film that I've watched of this well, year it's, because it's the Riddler saw. is yeah, like it he's, is he's it is like saw. oh this is crazy. Um, but what I also liked, like I was talking to someone about it after I watched it, and the thing that I realized I didn't even love at the time watching it, but loved more thinking about it, is that I think this is the most fleshed out Gotham has ever felt. In the sense of like, I remember Jonathan used to bitch about the Spider-Man movies and his complaint was he was like, look, you should start a Spider-Man movie where Spider-Man is like fighting some D-list character like Rhino. You know what I mean? To like build this concept of like, oh, there's always shit happening. It's not just like 
this guy showed up in movie one and then it's just been petty thugs and then this guy shows up. So it's like, I love that like you're dropped into this Gotham where Joker has already happened. He's already been caught. He's already been arrested. There's like a legion of weird Joker people roaming in the subway system. There's this crazed Riddler guy out there killing people. Penguin is doing his thing. Like there's already that what I think is the best version of the penguin where it's like, yeah, he's a criminal master. Like he's a bad guy, but he's, he's, you can trust him enough to give up information that you don't ever want to put him away. Like you let him be loose because he'll rat out someone else to you and he'll like give you information. Like I like that it did feel like a very fleshed out version of Gotham city where there's always a bunch of crazy shit happening. Not like, that this Paul Dano thing was just a one and done, but it's just like one piece of a much more corrupt, bigger picture, mm-hmm. I think is really cool. But all that could have been done in two hours. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. The best part about Penguin was when they're interrogating him um, and they have handcuffed his hands and feet and he's like, well, you can just leave me here. And he like waddles. So you actually get the Penguin walk. So, I mean, it was... All right, but what was the other one that you had some um, grievances about? So uh, there's a movie called The Seed on Shudder, and it's a goopy alien movie. It's only got three actors in it. They All all the women did fantastic. It had been on my watch list. I had a free night where Megan was out of town, and so I was like, I'm going to watch The Seed. So I started watching it, and I was like ambivalent at the beginning, and then stuff got goopy, and I was like, yes, I really dig this. And like, it feels grounded. It feels cool. And I was like this has to be an all women since it's all women that are that are on screen this had to have been like written by a woman because it's like it it seems like it i just i i was getting a vibe and then the third act hits and i'm like uh it got i i'm getting a weird kind of misogynistic vibe and then it ends and the credits hit and it's all men and i was like this is a bad fucking fit. It's a bad look. <laughs> it, it took away all of my good feelings about it that were building up in the second act. And it just made me feel gross. So yeah. um, I, I don't know. Like, if you're going to make a movie that has alien rape in it, you probably want to have some women behind the camera at least telling you if that is or isn't acceptable to push on the audience and the actors that you're directing yeah diverse diverse writers rooms are really important (laughs) i think really really important i think that um and look i don't i don't know i too am just a white man in america but i think that like amongst screenwriters yeah there's a quest to do something like amazing and like powerful and like all this stuff and it's like i feel it too in any of the work that i want to do but at the same time it's like if i'm choosing to try to tell a story with or of an experience that i don't have direct correlation to you have to lead with empathy you can't lead with like i was there and it happened to me you can't try to like inject it with like your thoughts on the matter i think that like if and, and which i think is where where the confusion lies in a lot of ways it's like you think you have to do that because you have to, like you think that that's empathy, but in actuality, the empathy is just trying to like exist in the experience that happened, as opposed to trying to force a meaning or message or like a, a thing that you cannot tap into. All you can do is be empathic 
And I think that that actually brings you to where you need to be as opposed to pushing an issue. Again, I don't know. Um, I hope that that's an answer to things because I wrestle with that in my own writing uh, about things that I have not experienced, but I would like to bring to the surface or talk about to be part of a conversation without while acknowledging that like I don't have the experience, but I, I, I don't know. It's It's hard. It's hard to like do that, um, yeah. you know, but it's, it's, that's, that's sucks so much when at the end, like at the end, you're like, fuck these guys, <laughs> man. You know, and, and right. maybe fuck I'm missing people. something. I, I, you know, no, like, but also like that's the, it's the subjective art form too. So it's like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But like, there's also somebody who either hates it way more than you or is <laughs> championing it way more than you. That's true. And you know, then the fuck either of those ends you're you're fine in in where you're at (laughs) yeah all right let's dive into two quick emails before we go because one is really short uh the first email we got is uh dated back to january 2021 from travis and it says star wars book recommendation oh Uh, yeah the email (laughs) says hey freaks i loved listening to your mandalorian season two discussion and during the discussion you all mentioned how you liked the books Tales from Jabba's Palace and Tales from Mos Eisley Cantina. Not sure if you're aware, but there are currently two books in a similar vein that you might enjoy. They're both called From a Certain Point of View, and they are 40 short stories showcasing background characters from A New Hope and then the second book, Emperor Strikes Back. I presume that they'll do one on Return of the Jedi as well. If you liked those two short story collections from the 90s, thought you might like these more modern ones. Thanks for putting out the podcast. Take care. So I haven't had a chance to check those out, but those do seem like I'm not a big Star Wars book guy, but if you're just giving me weird little short stories about background characters, that's like exactly what I'm looking for in a Star Wars book. <laughs> but unless anyone has any thoughts on that, I'll go to the the much more discuss, discussion-worthy email. Uh, all right. So this one's called Cheers from Texas. And it says... Hi guys, my name is Kyle, and I do backup vocals in a black thrash speed metal band called Black Jackal. I also joined a traditional heavy metal band called Rygar last year, and both projects recorded albums that have been re- that will be released later this year. I also play in an Australian metal band called Bastardizer. Uh, we even toured Europe for a couple weeks. Uh, I love music and I love horror movies, and I have a weekly DJ night called Metal Mondays at the Mix where I spin punk, metal, rock records, and play horror movies on a projector all night. It's pretty cool. A lot more people have been coming out since we started back up uh, after quarantine. Luckily, most of them are pretty safe when they go, so we haven't had any health scares. Uh, I started listening to the podcast late last year. Of course, I was sent to work from home during the pandemic, where I could freely listen to music. Uh, interviews and podcasts all day as loud as I want it while wearing my pajamas and inappropriate horror band t-shirts. I came across a lot of podcasts that weren't very good. And I think the ones I listened to the most were horror movie night and alien versus predator galaxy. I'm a huge fan of sci-fi horror. It's cool that y'all talk about metal bands sometimes. And I absolutely love the intro. I like hearing about your movie pairings when you discuss the movie subject for your podcast and I have to do that every week for Metal Mondays. I usually play two or three movies each night and constantly I'm buying new movies and records here and there. If any of you ever find yourself in San Antonio, Texas, hit me up. I've included a few pictures and I'll send you a couple links to some of my music and a picture of me breathing fire that was taken at a town cemetery. God bless. It's the cemetery where the opening shot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre was filmed. 
So when I discovered it, I insisted that we take our next band photo there. Uh, I also played the Texas Dates with Finnish de- uh, black metal band called Horna. Uh, I was their driver as well. On the drive between Austin and Houston, I took them to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre gas station, and they loved it. Uh, I don't get to do a whole lot of cool stuff with horror while over in Europe. We pretty much just played a show every night, uh, except for those super long drives like we had when we had to go between cities in Russia. It was around that time that Alien Co- uh, Covenant came out, and I really just wanted to catch it, <laughs> catch it in a movie theater over there, but I only got to see it when I came back to the States. Uh, there's a really cool horror theme bar under a venue that we played at, but the pictures were lost somewhere in the world of social media. Anyway, keep up the good work and keep an eye out. For, I'll keep an eye out for the next podcast. Cheers. And that was from May of last year. But I've actually also been to that gas station that he's talking about. It's a barbecue place that you can barbecue, go to. Yeah. Yeah. You can also get married uh, there. They've got, <laughs> yeah, and they have the original van and a bunch of the old props from the uh, the first movie, like the grandpa's sitting in a chair mm-hmm. in the corner and shit. That uh, it's it's cool. It's a it's a cool cool spot. So based on that, real quick, have either of you either been to a place where they're playing like? music that you love and projecting movies that you love simultaneously and B have you ever gone to like the original place where a movie was shot? I kind of know the answer to that with Kyle. Cause he took me to one. <laughs> I, I think I'm, I gotta say no to both actually. Really? Oh man. I don't think, yeah. Um, I've never uh, even been to the Christmas story uh, house and that's just up in Cleveland. So yeah, I mean, besides the uh, living in Pasadena brought me to a lot of the Halloween and other John Carpenter locations on my honeymoon. Uh, we drove cross country and our first stop was Evansville Cemetery in Pennsylvania. So we got to go to the Night of the Living Dead Cemetery, which was great. That was probably one of my favorite, not one of my favorite stops. There was much more entertaining stops, but it was the first stop. So it was like, it, it was meaningful. And yeah. then as far as places that have sort of done that type of thing, the San Antonio bar sounds amazing. I've been to the Hyperion Cafe, I believe, in Los Angeles that does often did a i don't know if they when i went they weren't projecting movies but they were doing a full horror soundtrack dj night like that was all they were doing and it was fucking incredible so so fun so the only one i have for seeing a place was uh the pasadena trip Mm -hmm. that you took me to in and the aforementioned um texas chance of massacre uh gas station but i do actually have two answers uh, for the other one with the bar, there's actually a bar that's maybe a 30-minute drive from here that I used to go and see shows at all the time called Oddities Bar. A uh, friend of the podcasts, uh, both Cassettes and Johnny Neutrino, both have played there. And it's this total punk rock bar. Kesha actually shot a music video there, <laughs> which I think is awesome. But it's like all punk checkerboard stuff. But in between bands, they're just playing kill compilations from slasher movies on all the TVs. And then in San Diego, actually, we met up with when we were doing San Diego Comic-Con set up the night before the convention started. We met up with Joey and Josh from Fright School and we were trying to find a place to hang out. And there was a barcade and it was like free play arcade and pinball machines nothing but 80s music playing in there and all the tvs that night had different 80s vampire movies on so it was like lost boys near dark fright night like was just all across it was awesome those are the two where i'm like i don't drink but i love these atmospheres and i'll stay and hang out (laughs) man they have the best coke here coke 
Yeah. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Chugging these sodas. That was House of Wax from 1953 as picked by moi. Uh, we'll be back next week with even more Horror Movie Night. But if you have questions, send us some emails at hmmpodcast at gmail.com. Also, listeners submit it. The floods are open. Let them in so we can figure out September. And on June 4th, we will be live on our Facebook and all of the Geekscape socials, just binging a bunch of classic Horror Movie Night movies. Tune in. We will definitely be raising money for a charity. I just still haven't figured that out at this time. But thanks as always for checking us out, and we'll be back with more Horror Movie Night. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.